God, we love you, and we are just so thankful for you this morning. We're thankful for the ways in which you move in our lives. We're thankful for the ways in which you use us in our lives to reach others for you. God, we are thankful that you, we're thankful for your love. God, I just pray this morning that as we dive into your word, and this is, this is a, a, a big week for us as we talk about why we believe in your son Jesus and who he is. God, I just pray that you would just speak through your word this morning. God, don't let it be my words that are speaking. Let it be your words that are speaking for your people on your day. God, if we are not here for you, we are here for the wrong reasons. God, no one came to hear from me today. We all come to hear from you, including me. God, I just pray that you would speak through your word. Would you use it? Would you leave us challenged and changed, ready to go make a difference in our communities? God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are uh, in week two of our series, uh, More Than a Feeling. Uh, still working on the Boston rendition with the band, uh, so that'll be, that'll be a few weeks later, I think. But uh, we're, we're talking about what we believe, why we believe it, and why it's important. Yeah, our culture today, I, I shared a stat with you last week that, that a third of church-going Christians uh, believe that religion is just opinion. It is not based on any truth. It is based on, on opinion. It is based on feeling. And our, our faith, our truth, is based on so much more than just a feeling. Oh, we have truth in this word. God has given us his truth. What we believe comes straight out of this book. And sometimes we just need to, to dive in and remember why we believe what we believe and why it's important. And so when someone asks us why we believe in God, why do we believe in Jesus, what do we believe in Jesus, we have we have. Things to tell them from this book. It's not about, well, I heard a pastor say one time, or well, I have this feeling that this is true. No, it's not about a feeling. This is about truth. God has given us his truth. He has, he has revealed himself to us in this word. How, how do we know what truth is? So over this series, we are, we're going we're gonna to dive into what we believe, why we believe it, and why it's important. And, and we just want to make clear that our beliefs are, are more than just a feeling. Our beliefs are foundational. Our beliefs are truth based on, on God and His Word as He has revealed it to us. And so last week, we talked about this question, answered this question, who is God? What do we believe about God? Why is it important? What, what, what do we believe? And so we, we talked about how God is the holy, just creator of all things. That God is, is the creator of all things. That He breathed out creation. That He's a star breather kind of God. We talked about uh, that He is eternal. That He does not have a beginning like we have a beginning. That He is all-knowing. He knows everything about you. But the mind-blowing part is He knows everything, but He still loves you. And He still wants to be in a relationship with you. There is nothing you could do to make God love you more. There is nothing you could do to make God love you less. We believe in God. And it's not a feeling. I don't believe that there is nothing that I can do that will make God love me less. That's not a feeling because my feelings would say the opposite. My feelings would say there is all kinds of things that I could do in my life that would make God love me less. It's just not true. The truth is in this word. The truth is who God is. And so this, last week we talked about God. This week we're going to answer uh, a different question. Who is Jesus? 
What do we believe about Jesus? Why do we believe it? Last week I told you about how uh, in Exodus chapter 3, God speaks to Moses and Moses asks him, hey, suppose these people that you're sending me to ask me who's sending them, what should I tell them? And God gives him a name, God gives Moses his own name. He says, I am who I am. God answers Moses' question. He says, you don't get to give me a name. I get to give myself a name. I am who I am. There's not a title you could put on me. There's not enough definitions in the dictionary that could describe me. I am who I am. God puts that title on himself. Jesus actually does the same thing in John seven different times. Seven different times in the book of John, and, and, and uh, I'm not going to go over any of these today, but I want you to look into these. If this, I, I could spend a whole series talking about just these seven things, and maybe we'll do that sometime. Uh, but to focus on any one of these, I think, would t- be too, uh, too narrow today. I want to go big picture with Jesus. But in the book of John, there's seven times. Jesus says in John 6, I am the bread of life. He says in John 8, I am the light of the world. John 10, I am the gate. John, uh, John 10 again, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, I am the vine. Right, we have these, Jesus in the book of John is, is attempting to show us and teach us who he is. Right, he tells us there are seven different examples, seven different metaphors, seven different uh, parables there just to talk about who he is. What we know about Jesus, this is who I am. This, Jesus is telling us who he is. I want you to look into those. I, I, like I said, I want, to go, I want to go big picture today and ask this question, who is Jesus? This is a historical question. People have been debating this for, for years and years and years. Since the early church, they've been talking about who Jesus is. And the question really ranges around this. Was Jesus God? Was Jesus human? Was he fully God? Was he fully human? Was he like half and half? Was he a tweener? What is, what is Jesus? Who, how, do, how, how do we understand who Jesus is? This debate, like I said, is a historical one. There's been, there's been divides between, between all kinds of people and all kinds of beliefs. In fact, the, the, the big divide between Judaism and Christianity is this question. Who is Jesus? Is he God? Is he not? Is he, is he the Messiah? Is he not? Right, but we, we believe that he is. It's a historical question. It's an important question. I mean, think about that. It's just, if Jesus is God, the whole New Testament falls into place. It makes sense that he would be able to do things like walk on water. He created the water. It makes sense that he would be able to feed the 5,000. He created the food. It makes sense that he would be able to raise people from the dead because he's God. It makes sense that he would be able to heal people because God is a divine healer. It makes sense that Jesus is God. It brings light to, to everything in the New Testament. And, and if the, just the resurrection. Think about just the resurrection. We talked about the resurrection a couple weeks ago on Easter. Think about this. That if Jesus is God, the most amazing thing about the resurrection is not that Jesus raised from the dead. It's that Jesus died. This, is a, this kind of turns it on its head a little bit. If Jesus is God, which we believe he is, I just don't want to sow confusion this morning. Jesus is God, then it changes everything. If Jesus is God, it's important. C.S. Lewis says this, <clears throat> The doctrine of the divinity of Christ seems to me not something stuck on which you can unstick. 
but something that peeks out at every point so that you'd have to unravel the whole web to get rid of it. The divinity of Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus Christ is God, we believe that Jesus Christ is God, is such a foundational truth for us. It's a historical question, it's an important question, but this morning I want to make it a personal question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Matthew 16 has been ringing in my ear this week. I'm thinking about what to talk about this morning. I was debating which one of those I am statements to talk about this morning. <laughs> I was thinking about just how, how to go about talking about Jesus. And this, this question in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus asked his disciples, he's, he's asking them, who do people say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. And he turns the question on them and he says, who do you say that I am? That question has been ringing in my mind this week. Who do you say that I am? And I want to just ask you the same thing this morning. Who do you say that Jesus is? This morning, we're going we're gonna to find our kind of home base, if you will, in Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to turn there with me, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, if you're in one of our pew Bibles on page 1012, uh, Philippians chapter 2. This is Paul uh, writing to the church in Philippi. Uh, and he's writing them a letter. He's encouraging them uh, to be more like Christ, to have the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had. And Paul kind of goes into the theology of who Jesus is in, in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. And we're just going to kind of dive in here. We're going to read it, and then we're going to unpack it together. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. Well, we'll start at verse 5. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're wanting just a quick, succinct description of what we believe about Jesus, it is right here in Philippians chapter 2. Let's unpack this. Let's just talk about, about verse 6 here. Uh, again, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Some, some translations say something to be grasped, right? Jesus, Jesus, in very nature God. Very nature God. What does that even mean? I mean obviously, it means that Jesus is God, right? We believe that Jesus is God. Let's... I, Let's go deeper into this. Let's go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 talks about this a little bit. Talks about how Jesus is God as well. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, what is the Word? You go back to, go down to verse 14. I'll spoil, spoiler alert for you. Uh, <laughs> verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The word, spoiler alert from John, is Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We see here, last week we talked about how God was a creator God. We see Jesus here described in these same, same concepts. In, in him, through him all things were made. With, without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was there at the beginning. He was God. He was with God. Jesus is, is divine in nature. We believe that Jesus was God. Jesus was fully God. Not just partly God, not just a fraction God, not just a piece of God. Jesus was fully God, fully divine. I, I love that John actually talks about Jesus as the Word, too. The Word is just such a powerful I think if you look at this in, in terms of all Scripture, it just, it's just such a powerful thing. I mean, even John 1 starts, in the beginning. Does that sound familiar? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. How did God create in the beginning? God spoke. God speaks the Word, and creation is made. Let there be light. Light. Let there be an expanse. Let there be trees, let there be water, let there be earth, let there be... Jesus, God speaks and it comes to being. And in the beginning here in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word is Jesus. Right? Even in, in Psalm 107, God brings salvation to His people through His Word. God reveals Himself to us through His Word. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the revelation of God to His people. Jesus is the self-expression of God. God in the flesh. This is what Jesus is. We believe that Jesus is God. Go back to Philippians 2 with me. We'll, we'll kind of keep going here. We believe that Jesus is God. Verse 7. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance, I'm sorry, being made in human likeness. We'll stop there for a second. This, this, uh, this passage, some, some translations say he emptied himself. He made himself, he, he, he made himself nothing, he emptied himself. Some people would say that this is, this is God kind of take this is Jesus taking off his godness. He's becoming human. But, but I, I don't want to, we're not going to, that's not what we believe. See, when Jesus empties himself, Jesus, I think about Jesus, he is the sovereign creator of all things, and now he becomes a slave of his own creation. Instead of thinking about God taking off his, his godness, if you will, when Jesus empties himself, he, he takes on a human likeness. It says he, we need to think about God putting on his, his humanness. It's not that Jesus is taking off his godness. He is putting on his humanness. He is being made in the likeness, in, being made in human likeness here. 
I know this is kind of a headache uh, to think about this. Is Jesus God? Is Jesus human? Wait, hold on. So he emptied himself, but he's still God, but he's, then he's going to put on him. I know it's a headache. I've had a headache over this. I don't know if it's my kids or this, but I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, you know, I just, it's, it's hard to understand sometimes, but, but this is what we believe. We know that God, Jesus, is fully God. In fact, if you turn just a few pages over to Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 9, here's what it said. For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. We know that Jesus did not take off his godness, if you will, when he came to earth. When Jesus was born, he was born as a human. He was born as a human. He looked like us. Uh, he had a belly button. He had a body. He had bones. He had blood. I mean, he, he <laughs> this is who he was. He was born just like we were. Sometimes we kind of, we kind of idealize Jesus' humanity. Um, we just feel like he just, you know, just had everything going his way, like it was just perfect. Uh, even in like our Christmas carols, think about the Christmas carol, Away in a Manger. <coughs> Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The, uh, <laughs> anyways, it says, yeah, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Really? My kids cried. Did your kids cry? I think your kids cried. Jesus cried as a human man. I'm pretty sure he cried as a human baby as well. Right, sometimes we, we, we kind of idealize. Now, don't, that's still a good song. We're still going to sing it this Christmas. But uh, I just, we, sometimes we idealize it, right? We think about Jesus and we don't, we don't think about the, the, his humanness. But, I mean, he cried as a grown-up. He, he learned to walk just like we learned to walk. He, he experienced emotion. Even in Scripture, we read about Jesus being, being sad. We read about Jesus being happy. We read about Jesus overturning tables and becoming angry. We hear about all the emotions, the gambit of emotions Jesus goes through in his life. Jesus was a human just like we are. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, here's what it says about the humanness of God. Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, you just got to say Hebrews here in chapter 4, and when you hear the word high priest, it's talking about Jesus as a high priest. That's another series for another day as well. You have to trust me. He's talking about Jesus here. Here's what he says. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus, who we worship and we believe in, is able to empathize with you and with me in everything because he has gone through it all. Jesus, while still being God, is fully human. Just like you and I. Let's go back here to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 6, we read that Jesus is God. Verse 7, we read that he's human. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want you to just notice here, it does not say that Jesus was humbled. Jesus humbled himself. You and I can be humbled. I remember when I was in, in junior high and high school, uh, I was invited by an old guy in our church to play tennis. His name was Bob. And I just knew... I mean, I was still athletic at that time. I was just going to kill Bob at tennis. He had no chance. So we go out to the tennis courts, and Bob proceeds to just wipe 
my body off of the court. He is just an amazing tennis player. I had no chance against Bob. I don't know why I thought I had a chance. He plays tennis every day. I was just kind of naively like, I am going to win this tennis match because I am athletic, and you are obviously not, right? But he, he beat me. He humbled me that day. I was very humbled walking home that day after losing in tennis to a 70-year-old. It just, just was what it was. You and I can be humbled. Jesus was not humbled. Jesus humbled himself, Scripture says, says. He humbled himself. I mean, John chapter 10 even talks about this. John chapter 10, starting at verse 17. You don't need to go there. John chapter 10, starting at verse 17, says this. Ironically, this is in one of those I am. This is I am the good shepherd. He continues on here. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus humbles himself. He lays down his life for you and for me. We talked about this a few weeks ago during Easter. The sacrifice that Jesus made and why it had to happen. We'll kind of continue the conversation from last week, and I'll just I'll make it brief. God is holy. We, you and I, we are not. God, this holy God, wants to be in a relationship with us, his unholy creation. How does that get to happen? Only through the blood of Jesus on the cross. This is the gospel in a minute. God is holy, wants to be in a relationship with us. We are not holy. That can't happen. What bridges the gap? Nothing but Jesus. Nothing but the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The fact that, that Paul is reminding us here that Jesus humbled himself on a cross is, is one of the more powerful statements in all of Scripture. That Jesus, being God, knew that he had to die on the cross for our sins. His blood covers over your sin and my sin and for the sins of the world. This is Jesus. This is the sacrifice that he makes. He humbles himself even to death on a cross. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? So that whoever believes in him should not perish but would have everlasting life. If you believe in the fact that Jesus humbles himself, puts himself on this cross, again, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. Jesus lays down his life for you and for me. He lays it down on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He humbles himself to death, even death on a cross. This is important because we go back to Philippians chapter 2 here. And this is how it finishes out. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. In the, the original language here, it's literally like God super eminently exalted him way up high. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a really big emphasis on how high Jesus is being exalted here. Right? Jesus is, is super exalted, way up high, way above anything else. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Gave him the name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord. If you leave here hearing nothing else about Jesus and what we believe about Jesus, I want you to hear this. Jesus is Lord. 
It's okay if you have questions about the, the, the godness and the humanness of Jesus. We can work through those. But if you leave here, I want you to fully understand this one thing. Jesus is Lord. And he's Lord over everything. God exalts him. He, he is the name above all names. He is in the highest place. He, he, he humbles himself to the cross. He takes the penalty for your sin and for my sin so that one day every knee would bow and one day every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of Scripture points to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You read the Psalms. I know that's Old Testament. Jesus is in the Old Testament, right? He is. He's there, right? If you look for him. In the Old Testament, Jesus is Lord. God is Lord over everything. He's Lord over the animals. He's Lord over creation. He's Lord over humans. He's Lord over literally everything. You can go through the Psalms and just think about all the things that God is Lord over, and it will just blow your mind. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all. Here's the question. Is he Lord of your life? It's one thing to read the scripture and realize Jesus is Lord. It's another thing to take the words from the page, put them into action. Jesus is Lord means that you give your life to him. That you give your will to him. That you give everything you are to him. Everything you do is for God. Everything you say is for God. Everywhere you go, every person you speak to, every, every piece of your life is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. Jesus is Lord. I could do a whole series on who Jesus is. And like I said, maybe we'll do that someday. We'll go through all the I am statements of Jesus. I am am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the good shepherd. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Uh, just read John and read all these I am statements of Jesus to get a better glimpse of, of who he is. But I want you to see the big picture this morning. Jesus is God. Jesus became human. Jesus took on your sin and my sin on the cross. He humbled himself, died for you, died for me rose again from the grave so that you and I might have eternity to be in relationship with the holy, just creator of all things that we talked about last week. This is Jesus. This is what we believe about him. This is the foundation of this. And I don't just believe it because I feel it. I believe it because I read it in God's word. I believe it because this is truth. It's more than a feeling. You can talk to people about Jesus and they'll say, oh, I don't know, I just, I feel like maybe Jesus was just a good person. I feel like Jesus was probably just a good teacher. I feel like Jesus, maybe he did some of those miracles, but I'm just not sure I'm willing to go with with God. 
That's okay that you feel that way. Feelings are valid. Every feeling is valid. I firmly believe that. But feelings are not truth. The truth says that Jesus is God. Jesus became human, humbled himself, went to the cross for you and for me, so that one day every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord and we would have eternity with our God and Father in heaven. This is, this is the gospel. This is what we believe about Jesus. Next week, I'm excited, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We get to dive into to the third person of the Trinity, talk about the Holy Spirit, what we believe about the Holy Spirit and His role in our lives, how the Holy Spirit directs us and guides us. It's going to be, going to be a good week. But this week, I just want to challenge you to think about this question. Is Jesus Lord over your life? Not just a piece, not just a fraction, not this compartment, not this box in my life, all of it. And if there is a piece of your life that is not given to him, I challenge you to give it up. Give it to him. Give your life to him. Give your heart to him. Give your mind to him. What happens when we do this is we begin to pray. And the things that we pray for begin to align with the things that God desires in our lives. Because we're in tune with him, because we've given him, given our lives over to him. When we dive into the word, we don't just look for, for the things that make us feel good. We start really diving in and saying, God, what are you showing me in this passage? God, what are you trying to teach me in this passage? How can I, how can I learn from you? How can I be closer to you? Is Jesus Lord of your life. Think about that this week as we go. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise for all that you do and all that you are in our lives. God, this morning we... We unpacked the scripture about your son. We unpacked the scripture about Jesus. And God, I just pray that this week it would become real to us. That we would come to the grips of, come to, come to grips with who Jesus is. And what he came to do. That we would come to, come to grips with this, this phrase, Jesus is Lord. God, may it be true in our lives this week. And if it's not, may you, may you challenge us and, and place us and show us where we need to give you lordship over our lives, God. We, we need you. God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us this week. Be in our conversations, be in our workplaces, be in our homes, be with our families. Would you guide and direct? Would you go ahead of us? Be in our conversations that every word that we say would be under your lordship. Every action that we make would be under your lordship. God, would, would our lives be under your lordship this week? We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're new here, uh, at the end of service, we do this every week. We just end it with a blessing. So I just ask that you would just hold your hands out and just receive a blessing from, from God this morning. May our God, the God who sent his son, Jesus, for you and for me, 
God who loves you, cares for you. What do you give you boldness this week? Courage this week? Would he challenge you and convict you this week? And would you go and make a difference for him and your community under his lordship? Go in the grace and peace of our God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.